Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. The Apostle James was a man of tremendous Christian character and virtue. He was genuinely pious and godly, and he obviously possessed great human wisdom. His epistle is perhaps the most practical in the New Testament in terms of Christian perfection. But as we have seen repeatedly in this current life study of the book of James, when we compare his writing with that of the other New Testament writers, it becomes quite clear that for all his virtue and piety, James lacked a clear view of God's goal and God's way, a goal and a way that Paul described as God's economy. All we need to do is consider how each of these two important figures in the New Testament present the matter of wisdom. In James chapter 1, verse 5, he said, But if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and does not reproach, and it will be given to him. James Lee has joined us, not uh, uh, to be confused with the Apostle James in any way, but James, uh, here we are in this life study of James, and we continually now come back to the contrast that we see. There are positive, certainly uh, valuable contributions that James makes to the New Testament, and certainly by God's uh, inspiration and ordination, his words and epistle are included there. So we do want to learn from him, and we'll see both sides today. We'll see some positive, but we again come to this matter of the the lack that appears again and again when we compare right. James with Paul and, and the other writers in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Paul presents wisdom, mm-hmm. he does so quite differently, doesn't he? Yeah. I think this contrast is very striking between James and Paul. James presented wisdom purely, I would say, from a uh, ethical, moral view. Right. And while Paul talk also very much uh, about wisdom, in, especially in the book of uh, First Corinthians, but from the viewpoint of the person of Christ, who is the center of God's economy. So that itself is a big contrast. Wisdom is a person as opposed to merely just a virtue that we possess. So I feel we do have a lot to learn from these two writers, and there is definitely a balance even between these two. But, of course, the wisdom that is presented to us as a central message from the entire New Testament is that which is presented by Paul, which is related to God's economy. Yeah, we just read again, and we've looked at this verse a number of times now, but we just read again James 1.5. It's a marvelous exhortation. If we lack wisdom, we should ask God to give it, and he will do so liberally. Very much Old Testament in practice and in flavor. Right. Uh, you know, this was even Solomon, right? He had the chance to ask God anything, and he asked for wisdom, and God granted it liberally. Right. So that's uh, almost the exact pattern that James seems to be uh, keeping in his view right. as he, you know, uh, gives us this kind of practical Christian exhortation. Right. When Paul comes to the matter, as you said in First Corinthians, let me just read chapter 1, verse 30. We talked about this in our previous program, but it's worth looking at again now, I think, mm-hmm. in this way of contrast. This is Paul now in 1 Corinthians. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, 
who became wisdom to us from God. Mm. So just that much. It's a virtue. It's a thing. It's an it in uh, James's perspective. Yet Paul says Christ became wisdom. So wisdom becomes the person. That's right. Much different. Uh, James, this program today somewhat continues our last program where we were talking about Christ being made wisdom to us and then how God transmits Christ as wisdom to us in this continual ongoing fellowship, this uh, activity between our spirit and the Holy Spirit, whereby Christ is transmitted to us. This is really God's economy, isn't it? That's right. That's right. All right. We're going to pick up very at that very point as we join Witness Lee now for this first portion. Christ, as the embodiment of the triune God, has been installed into our tripartite being to be transmitted all the time, to be dispensed into our being all the time for us in this transmission to live a life to express Christ and to have the church, the body of Christ, build up as his fullness. My the height, I would say, even higher than the third heaven. How wonderful and how sovereign it is that God put out 14 epistles by Apostle Paul with wisdom on the highest level. Right next door, God also puts one short epistle of only five chapters to show us another level of wisdom. And this level is also good. It's nothing bad here. Nothing bad here. But this is just for human living. On the human level. Just you have these two levels of wisdom. You can have a full picture to see where should we be and how should we be, okay? Where should we be? We should be in God's economy and in human perfection. We should be in these two things and these two labels. On the one hand, we must be for God's economy. And God's economy means to dispense Christ as the embodiment of triune God for the building up of the church as the fullness of Christ and of God as well. This is God's economy. Then what is the Christian perfection? That is a perfect, complete, and entire behavior, conduct, character, that we may be a positive testimony personally in the eyes of the human beings and in the eyes of the angels, even in the eyes of the demons. We are so perfect, complete, and entire, no one can put any blame upon us. You see, we are this kind of people for God's economy. Now we can see why there are two levels of the wisdom unveiled in the New Testament. James, that's a very good balancing word we were talking about 
balance, and James does add a kind of balance to the New Testament. I'm thinking about a comment you made a moment ago uh, correlating James in the New Testament, Proverbs in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Um, I know a number of believers that, you know, when you ask them what their favorite books in the Bible are, often you'll hear these two. They like Proverbs in the Old Testament. They like James in the New Testament. Right. Um, And one of the things that strikes me, we do have these 14 epistles of Paul followed by just this one short book of James. Mm -hmm. In perhaps Paul's highest book, the book of Ephesians, where he's really talking about God's economy, Mm -hmm. uh, he begins by saying he needs to pray that we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation to enter into it. Right. Perhaps one of the reasons some believers gravitate towards a book like James, you know, there's really nothing here that requires such a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You read James, you pretty well understand what he's saying, but when you read Paul, you have to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation to enter in, don't you? That's right. With the wisdom presented to us by Paul from the angle of God's economy is something rather abstract and something hidden, something quite mysterious. Right. And that's why Paul would say we do need a spirit of wisdom and revelation to grasp, to understand, to see, you know, this very wisdom who is Christ that is given to us, transmitted to us by God. While the wisdom talked about by James is rather superficial, rather outward, they are recognizable and is related to our day-to-day conduct. And is this good? But there's nothing mysterious about that wisdom. But the wisdom presented by Paul in connection to God's economy really requires the exercise of our spirit to apprehend that because it is really, you might use the word, in another realm. Although it's the same word, you know, wisdom, but there are two kinds of wisdom. It's a wisdom in another realm, (laughs) which is quite mysterious and is uh, abstract, which requires the exercise of our spirit to apprehend. And actually, that wisdom is Christ. And I think that is also one reason why uh, many Christians don't quite appreciate that wisdom, because they couldn't quite understand what uh, Paul was referring to. And uh, while they could understand easier what uh, James was talking about or what the book of Proverbs was teaching us. Well, as he pointed out, we need both levels, both um aspects of wisdom yes. to be proper, yes. to be complete. Yes. Uh, if we're only focused on this more mysterious, abstract, we, we are not balanced. And That's so right. uh, the Lord has, uh, in his in His wisdom, the yeah. ultimate wisdom, provided the book of James. That's we're right. going to see, I think, in this next portion, a very positive contribution that James makes in the way of our Christian perfection. Let me pick up some verses from chapter 4. Where do wars and fightings among you come from? Are they not from this, from your pleasures, that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and are jealous and are not able to obtain. You fight and make war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask evilly, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulteresses, do you not know that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever determines to be a friend of the world is constituted an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit whom he has caused to dwell in us longs to envy? Well, here, James, uh, the Apostle James gets a little (laughs) mysterious as well. I think we're tracking him pretty well until this last phrase, perhaps, about the Spirit longing to envy. Uh, Let's uh, join Witness Lee. I think he'll give us some real help here. 
verse 5, or do you think the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us longs to envy? No Bible teacher can trace out where is this verse in the scripture. Neither can I. I did it for a long time. I couldn't find a verse. I don't know to what verse James referred. Longs to envy. That means just like you love a person. You long for her. You just love her to such an extent, full of longing. You don't like to see see would be friendly to any other one. If she would, then you just envy. You could say, no doubt, by the word adulteresses, you could understand that James illustrated our relationship with God as a kind of a marriage life. Uh, God is the husband, and we are the uh, counterpart. We should just love him. If we love anything or anyone or any matter other than him, uh then we become a wife having two husbands or more husbands. Then we become adulterous as we are his counterpart and he has our spouse. He has put himself, that is the spirit, within us. And the indwelling spirit longs to keep us singly for himself. Yet, we would not be solely for him, rather, beside him, we love other things. We love the world, you see? So, this indwelling spirit is forced to envy, longs to envy. Well, James, it seems on this point, uh, the Apostle James and the Apostle Paul quite much come together, don't they? Yes, yes. I think this is uh, one particular verse in James that opens up a little window that James had some realization of the indwelling spirit, which is one of the few verses uh, concerning the spirit you can find in the book of James, uh, which is, I feel, is very good. This definitely brings together the view that Paul presented concerning our Christian life from the viewpoint of God's economy. Here, indeed, we see that um, we, the believers, and Christ are just like a couple. And the spirit who indwells the believers, he longs to envy. So the conduct that James talked about uh, in his book, uh, in his epistle, obvious seems to be not entirely just a moral thing or behavioral thing. Right. It has something to do with the indwelling spirit, which I appreciate this point. You know, at least in this part of his epistle, mm-hmm. he touched on this intrinsic element 
in our Christian life. He uh, makes this connection that uh, if we as God's people uh, are caught away loving other things, yep. this will cause this longing spirit to have a kind of an envy or yep. a jealousy. Yep. There's a verse in Second uh, Corinthians 11 where Paul, I think, makes almost the same point. He yep. says, I am jealous over you with a jealousy of God, for I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Yes. Same kind of thought in Paul's word there. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. We are indeed espoused to Christ as a pure virgin. So there is such a intimate, loving relationship between God and his people. And in order for us to be preserved as a pure virgin, we need to be kept away from being distracted by the world, by other things other than Christ. So the Spirit who indwells within us, he he longs to envy when we love other things, when we love other matters other than Christ. Very good. And so... I appreciate even this verse really showing us that our dealing with the world, so-called, it should not be just a behavioral matter, that as Christians you cannot do this, you cannot do that as a kind of regu- regulation, but it has to be something that issues out of the indwelling spirit operating within us, mm. So, which actually really has something to do with God's economy, at least in this point. Really so. Well, you mentioned that when these other things come in uh, to distract us, draw us off, James gets quite specific in chapter 4 talking about these things, and we'll see in this next portion, really he puts his finger or puts the very bright light on three key elements or three evil elements that are working to draw us away. Right. All right, here's Witness Lee with our final portion. Three big items, major items have to be thoroughly dealt with. Otherwise, these items would make us adulterers and enemies and sinners. All these poor, bad terms could be applied to us. You are God's people. You belong to God. Even you have been born of God. Yet today, your actual condition is an enemy. Why? Because the world in you is too much. There is a strong friendship built up in you with the world. And this world is just the satanic system. The system, the organized thing of God's enemy, God's adversary. So these three major things have to be dealt with. Now, what are these three major things? Number one, pleasures. Pleasures are all wrapped up with our lust. I tell you, joy is not for lust. God is a joyful God, but God is not a God of pleasure. God doesn't have lust, but we do. See? To have joy, to be joyful, that's okay. But to have pleasures, that is not okay. Because this is something for the lust. If you take care of pleasures, you are just indulging in your lust. And this kind of lust is in us. It's in me. If we don't live in the spirit, we just have no way to overcome this indulgence. Am I right? Pleasures are all related to the world. 
to enjoy today's weekend pleasures is just to love the world. And then what? The world is connected, is linked to the devil. Now, listen to this. God is triune. We have a triune God. We also have a triune problem. The triune problem is this. Lust, world, and the devil. This is also a devilish trinity. We have the divine trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Now we have a devilish trinity. The lust, the world, and the devil. New Testament tells us clearly the lust is against the Spirit. And the world is against the Father. And the devil is against the Son. So, you could see the triune God is fighting against the triune problem. Well, James, this is quite helpful. We all can relate to this. This evil trinity of lust or pleasure, the world, and the devil. We all have had our own experience with this. And uh, interesting that we have a triune God to to fight in this realm. Yeah. James definitely touched on something very practical. Uh, I think most Christians, we all have to admit, we are facing this kind of thing every day, day in, day out. Our lusts, which... uh, longing after pleasures, and which is related to the world, and which is also intimately connected to the devil, Satan. And even though James talks about the uh, morality, the behavior so much, yet in bringing out these matters, especially from what we just talked about earlier, the indwelling spirit within us, he longs to envy when we love other things other than Christ. We lust other the pleasures, the lust which is really related to our flesh, and all these fleshly pleasures are something in the world, part of today's system, which is uh, totally one with Satan. Uh, these things surely take away our heart for Christ, occupies our being, giving no capacity for us to love Christ, for us to enjoy Christ. And the only way to deal with these things which are so practical that we confront with every day is not by our effort trying to confront it by ourselves, trying to correct it, trying to deal with it by our own strength, but rather, as is pointed out here, is the triune God, the Father versus the world, the Son versus the devil, and then the Spirit versus the flesh. The triune God, He is altogether against these things. So this really forces us to turn to the Lord more we depend on the very triune God who is altogether against these three things. For this kind of warfare, James, we really need the whole of the New Testament. James' portion, Paul's portion, Peter's portion, John's portion, uh, the others, because uh, these really bring us, as you said, into this kind of fully dependent situation, depending on the Father, depending on the Son, depending on the Spirit. That's right. Otherwise, there's there's no way for us to fight these three enemies, try is there? devil. Try, try your evil. <laughs> yeah, this evil try your evil. <laughs> James, uh, good fellowship today. I appreciate we were able to kind of see uh, the, the help we get 
from James in a kind of a negative way because it gives us the contrast, but That's also right. the positive contribution and the practical help we get uh, as well. Uh, right. We're getting a balanced view in this life study. Yes. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we may or may not, depending on how the Lord arranges things, have a chance to come together uh, again in this life study of James. It's a short one. Only about four programs left, I think, so we'll see. Uh, but if we don't come together again in James by the time we uh, get to our next book, which I believe will be the Old Testament Minor Prophets, uh, the next life study we'll be getting into. We're Good invited Lord. to join us for as many of those as you're able. Looking forward to it. Good. Thank you. All right, and uh, something we'd like to mention to you today, a new feature for those of you who may be familiar with uh, listening to these radio broadcasts actually on the Internet. We've now added a podcasting feature, and some of our uh, more technologically advanced uh, listeners will know right away what that means. Others may not, but uh, if you go to our website, www.lsm.org under new features it will take you to the podcasting page and how you can get the daily program uh, brought into your computer uh, even brought into your little device whether it's an iPod or some other one automatically each day updated so that is available now and we invite you to check there again it's lsm.org we also have the printed material, as uh, we like to mention each day. You can call us at our toll-free number to find out about that, one eight 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 life study 888-543-3788. For James Lee, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening today. Millions of Christians have been strengthened in their faith through the ministry of Watchman Nee. In a recent release by Living Stream Ministry entitled The Overcoming Life, Watchman Nee sounds a call to the believers to pursue the normal Christian life that is hidden with God in Christ. The Overcoming Life is filled with truth, reverberates with hope, and brings the reader to renewed consecration. The Overcoming Life by Watchman Nee from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788.